There we go. Oh. All right, recording started and starting the stream. Welcome to Horsin' Around, a dumbass cast. I'm your host, as always, Nick Mercadante. And with me today, I have three lovely guests. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves. Hello, friends. Uh, my name is Tyler Mascaratola, also 2017JM on Twitch. Oh, my God. Subtle plug. Yeah, be, uh, real subtle. I'll be a guest for today. Uh-huh. Okay. Hello, my name is Patrick Armario, and I'm an award-winning animator. <laughs> Technically correct. Thank you for gracing us true. with your presence. You're welcome. Pat. Appreciate it. And finally, we have... You know who it is. It's your boy, Beeks. Uh, I... I read a bunch of books about the Sherman tank in World War II recently. I could tell you about that. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I got. I love. We're all bringing something to the table. Thank you guys so yeah, much. This is we're we're such a diverse cast. Yeah. Yeah. Great. We had yeah. all the check just marks. four white guys. <laughs> <laughs> just four white guys. Just four white guys. We had all the check marks. Yeah. Look. <laughs> to be fair, it, before when we were in person, it was basically just three white guys and then one white girl. So it it hasn't changed much from when the with the transition to digital also wait that's filipino no this is more diverse than it used to be what the fuck are you on about what i'm white oh oh my god what are you actually talking about yeah come on nick uh anyways how are you guys doing how's how's your week been it's been good yeah been chill week so far uh, my friend's birthday was a couple days ago i went into the city for that that was a good time Mm mm-hmm nice what city? Uh, Masks and all, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, New, the, the, the city of New York. Oh, the Big Apple. Yeah, how how is it's that? Dark the Big Apple, if you will. <laughs> the Dark Zone. What's going on? How how is that? Like, is it? I'm assuming it's calmed down somewhat, but I'm it's also assuming there's still it's, it's still kind of a hotbed. Calmer. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't it hasn't necessarily gotten worse, which is good. Yeah. As far as I know, but I haven't been I haven't been in New York mostly, so I don't actually. And haven't really been keeping up with you know the Roni virus or uh, any the Roni. political necessarily uh, crimes that are probably happening. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but I need to. I've been staying in touch with Colin, who's my you know my roommate slash stream mate, mm-hmm. and he's been pretty uh, pretty deep in the political protests. And he said that apparently um, the DA has stopped prosecuting cops for brutality. Which oh. Is, See, that seems like the opposite of what, you know, is supposed to... Of, like, the right... You're really yeah. prosecuting cops for brutality if you didn't really do it to begin with? Like, <laughs> that's sure, my yeah. question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you gotta... It really makes you think. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it seems like, I mean, uh, these protests have no sign of stopping, and I mean, you know, they haven't had their demands met, so I, uh, that makes sense. Uh, so... Yeah, we'll, I guess we'll just see where it goes. It's just been at a, at a certain point. I I use Tumblr a lot, so I, I look in the like top ten yeah, tags when I'm just looking around. And <laughs> no, okay, someone. There's clearly other people on there because the Black Lives Matter tag is always number one. It's been number one for like months now, um, which I think is either in either case it's fine. I'm glad that it's getting like the you know the vision that it needs. Um, but I have to wonder if it is, like, legitimately just people continuously talking about it or if Tumblr is making a political statement and, like, aggregating it to the top, uh, like, giving it a boost in some way. I, I, would, I would be surprised considering how poorly run a website <laughs> Tumblr is. 
yeah. Yeah. Corporate level, like. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Very it's true. Just, it's just ain't working out. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I spent all of this week in self-quarantine because I was potentially exposed. Oh, yeah, because you were exposed. Yeah, I was exposed to somebody who tested positive. Uh, but everybody who also was ex- was F. exposed, uh, yeah, big F. Oh. They everybody who's exposed, as in, me included, have come back with negative tests. So we're starting to think that that person oh, actually got a false positive, perhaps, because like even the person that was like living with them got a negative test back. So that you know, crisis averted, which I'm happy about. But um, yeah, so. That's been fun. I was supposed to be at work this week, but, you know, couldn't really go in if I had the virus. So I was like, hi, boss. I'm sorry to say, but I cannot show up for my first day of work. Uh, and they, they were super understanding. So I'm, I'm glad about that. Um, I hope they were. I mean, it's the Rona. Like. Right. Yeah. You don't want to take any chances. And I definitely didn't want to show up and then turn out to be positive and then have to tell people out you yeah, know have yeah and they hey, spread it to way more people I a little present to work <laughs> yeah that would not be good and probably reflect way worse on me in their eyes if i did that so um but yeah so it's been a pretty chill week just practicing up on like c plus plus and learning about signal processing which is actually pretty interesting um, What's uh, signal processing? It's like, uh, so, you know, like, I guess the simplest ways to think of it in terms of, like, sound waves and stuff like that. So let's say you have, like, a single note playing at a single frequency, right? It makes, like, a certain pitch, and then that's just that noise constantly. And then if you started to add more one-note noises at different frequencies, they would start to make different noises and sort of combine together and stuff. Uh, and then after a certain point, you have, like, a really crazy-looking sound wave that has, like, peaks and valleys everywhere. And so the way signal processing works at a super high level is it is trying to pick out uh, and remove extraneous, like, uh, frequencies and, like, you know, noise to pick out a certain frequency and, like, pin it down to, okay, this is what... uh, it's gener this sound like underneath all of this in this giant waveform you can pick out one frequency and be like okay this is uh what's being generated here and that is useful in the context of uh electronic warfare stuff because you need to be able to identify uh where like an enemy aircraft or ship or other like electronic device is emitting noise from and so if you can see if control is a big deal right so if you can pick out out of like a whole because there's you know natural noise in the in in the environment when you're scanning radar and stuff um Mm -hmm. if you're able to pick out the specific frequency that a uh enemy radar station or ship or whatever is emitting their frequency on then you can be like okay this is what is their transmission then you can do whatever you'd like with that information and, and work on it um launch a cruise missile yeah, <laughs> yes one of many things you could do with that information I'm, hey I'm, hey mr ship <laughs> atm 88 harpoon <laughs> and ship missile yeah goodbye just imagining, like um what's it called so you're like tracking a specific sound mm-hmm. uh i'm imagining like what if you just strapped like um 
a boombox or something to like a buoy or some shit, <laughs> right? And just started producing a noise or some shit just to like bait out missiles. And I stuff. mean, that I mean, is I'm sure it's not like. Yeah, but you get you understand the concept then because it is yeah. like obviously not a boombox, but you can you can make emitters of certain frequencies yeah. that can sort of. Oh, are you okay? I thought Tyler was saying something and I didn't hear any sound, but okay. He is he's no, doing the mockery. Playing, uh, playing in my stream. Okay. Um, yeah, but yeah, basically you can make fake emitters that will drag. Uh, if there are certain there's certain missile lock-on systems that are tracking frequencies, and so if you emit something at the same frequency as what your ship is emitting and push it off somewhere else, it can theoretically divert the missile towards that fake target instead of you. Um, so yeah, that so is a practical application of it. So if you tack like a little um, emitter onto like a fish or some shit, right? <laughs> like the missile will start going towards the fish, and the fish will be absolutely fucked. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why we would want to fuck over the fish that badly, but like, yeah, you could do that, I guess. I, I mean, the fish is just a casualty of war, uh, <laughs> just like with uh, precision missiles, right? How they kill ninety uh, percent of like. Um, a lot. Ninety percent of their kills Look, are civilians. Air Force such. bombs hit the ground. One hundred percent. Yeah, perfect, the, act, the, that's perfect that's, record. That's Guys, Mother Earth is the greatest casualty of war. Okay, that's the lesson <laughs> that we really need to take true. away from all of this. That is also true. Have you not seen Pacific Rim? The oh my only god! Reason why like the aliens came is because of emissions. Is that is that how that worked? I don't remember that being a plot point for they, Pacific Rim. Mm -hmm. Was that actually yeah, yeah. in it, or was yes. that, or was that in the second one that nobody that saw? The first one, the first one um, had a big uh, eco story because what's it called? Um, uh, uh, Charlie Day's uh, character yes goes into yeah. like taps into like the uh, mind of the kaiju or whatever the right. half brain yeah um, and he realizes that like the aliens first tried to come back during like the dinosaurs or whatever and that's yeah. why all the dinosaurs died out. Uh -huh. But the world wasn't ready for them yet because, like, it wasn't terraformed yet. So the aliens waited, and essentially humanity, uh, with punching a hole in the ozone, terraformed the world for the aliens themselves. Like, we, we did Oh, so us making the world Ooh, shittier shit. for us makes it good for them. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. interesting. Exactly. Huh. So that's why aliens were coming, was because of shell gas yeah and then they decided yeah. to make Exxon super giant on mobile on mobile thanks to exxon mobile patrolling um deep water horizon yeah and then they decided to uh make super giant kaiju just because it looked cool and to yeah. to destroy the planet which i mean well, like you know respect those things look dope as hell like, they, they probably came first with like laser guns and shit saw the dinosaurs and were like Yo, yeah, they got inspiration for their kaiju from dinosaurs. That is that is a they good like, take. They were like, oh, oh, <laughs> fuck guns, dude. Dude, fuck this basic ass gun shit, dude. Fuck we gotta guns. start doing some bio biotech sort of shit. Dude, why not make some clones of some dinosaurs? Make some dino clones. Mm -hmm. Splice them together. <laughs> Steroids? There's no there media know. that's shown how that can go wrong. Yeah, none, no, not at all. Yeah, no, never no, heard of it. A single piece of media that's a, that's incorrect. No, I would, I would <laughs> yeah. never like. I mean, it's a genius idea. Look yeah. again. Look, we we had the three Jurassic Park movies, and then Jurassic World was like, but you know, it still worked out. the The park opened up, so I guess nothing really was learned. It, 
So it's it fine. It made money. It did make money. And honestly, that was probably the best part of Jurassic World it's was dumb. seeing the the park functioning. Like we've always imagined what a what a working dinosaur park would be like and then they actually did it. And obviously it got fucked over because that's the whole point of literally every movie every time. But, you know, seeing it open was pretty fucking dope. I would love to be able to just ride a baby Triceratops without worrying about the ethical or humanitarian implications of it, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I just, mm-hmm. I just want to ride a Triceratops. Is it, is it that much Look, to ask? Boy, why a game for you? <laughs> <laughs> Look, if someone, if someone could be God and make dinosaurs, mm-hmm. they could make so much money off of it, and that's all I've learned. That's all I like, <laughs> are you saying if God was a capitalist, he would just make bank? Because I guess you're right, but like... Now how was, <laughs> I know we weren't going to talk about God, but if God was real, he'd make money. If God was real, he'd be the most capitalist. Yeah. No, God, no, God's, God would be... Ironically, God would be a nihilist. Because God doesn't give a shit. God literally has no use for any of any, like, any kind of wealth or anything. God States and not be the Jeff Bezos of America. <laughs> like, that man would be more wealthy than him. Yeah, but, like, after a certain point, you become also... With this hypothetical, he's still God. God. Yeah. <laughs> he just he would just fucking do shit for whatever. You can just make shit appear. Yeah. That he he inherently destroys the capitalist system because he can just create product at he can end, endlessly well, inflate right well, he has endless inflation in his pocket in his pocket. If we're talking in the if we're talking in the realm of the god cinematic universe, what are his established powers? <laughs> no, uh, all he can do is make a bush catch on fire. I, <laughs> Let there be light. Mm, yeah. yeah. But I think the implication is that he has the power to create and destroy matter, which is inherently. Is I. I am not. The, 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 the series Bible on that one. Yeah, you're going to need the receipt. Oh, yeah, some sort of document. Like, <laughs> sort of can of document Look, that we yeah, can, like. Yeah, you have to rewrite the damn Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and even not, then, we people. Retcon all this shit, man. <laughs> all right, no one's going to buy this, all right? Where is my Bible? Yeah. <laughs> Back to the classic joke. Look, if the Bible was so good, why is there no Bible too? Okay, God come on. Where is the second Bible? I asked you. We this. weren't gonna get controversial. In this <laughs> we literally before you got here, they were talking about how Pat is gonna have the most lukewarm takes like ever. Oh, yeah. Just tra- just trying yeah. to stay as non-committal. Takes. I wouldn't describe them as lukewarm necessarily. A lot of the time. No, but he was trying to like do a bit and then just. Yeah. Immediately, fucking! Oh my like god! I, like I like to tell Aaron whenever I'm on call with them, I am mm-hmm. a man and I have opinions. Yeah, that yes. is most men. That is that most that men is, on is, the website Twitter.com. That, that is literally everything about me. I am a man and I have opinions. Yeah, that's it. Oh, and I'm an award-winning animator. Wow! Oh, god damn it. Wow! Powerful. This is, this is the bit. Technically, Truly. technically, multi-award winning. Technically, you have more status than we ever will. Uh-huh. Well, you won multiple Razzie oh, awards. Well, That's pretty impressive. Boom! <laughs> 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 Got him. Um, I tried cooking for the first time last night, like real cooking by myself, never not just before. Like, like not just Nicholas like. Nicholas you are over the age of twenty. You've never cooked before. Like, I mean, more than just like you know, mixing some baking shit together and throwing it in the oven to rise. Like. <laughs> Into a kitchen and said, "Oh, now what?" 
Wait, okay, okay, wait. How'd it go, Nick? How'd it go? I think okay. it turned out pretty well. I had obviously an instruction book on hand, and it was like a crockpot meal. But like, I don't know. I think as far as preparing the ingredients and and mixing it all together, I think it turned out pretty well. I did. What did you make? Uh, I did braised pork chops on on like a salad base, um, and it was nice. it was pretty good. I really definitely nice. should have known because I've, I mean, like my mom has tried to get me to cook in the past, um, but I haven't done it much on my own. Um, I definitely should have known that I needed to read all of the instructions out loud before I started doing anything because there were parts that I thought I had read completely, but then I double checked. I was just like, oh no, I missed that part. Um, specifically where I was supposed to save a good portion of the salad dressing to actually pour over uh, into the crock pot for the um, pork shops themselves. But then I just made some more of it and it turned out fine. So Okay, okay. Yeah. I don't even want to imagine what you handling a knife would have been like too. Like <laughs> I had I used oh, that was another thing. I definitely used way more utensils than I needed to because I would just take I'd be like, oh I'm done with this one and I throw it in the sink and then I was like, wait, no, I need Fuck, I, I need, need a knife. knife. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully yeah, uh, I have a good amount of knives on hand. But Nick, um what's it called? What, what what's it called? How many knives did you use? I don't know, like probably four, and I probably could have used two. Like, okay. it wasn't it wasn't like insane, but it wasn't optimal, you know. Yeah, um, no, I, I get that. I mean, yeah. that's a that's a that's something that a lot of people like when they're first starting to uh, cook. Um, do like sort. I don't want to say mess up. It's a, yeah. It's not really like a mistake or anything. It's just mm -hmm. like a. It, it's just uh. It's just wasteful, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm lazy I, uh, and I hate cleaning extra things, so I'm just like, <laughs> fuck it, wipe this knife off, we're good. There you go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. honestly, you run yeah. it in the water, hit it with some soap, clean it off real quick. Yeah. yeah. As oh, long as it's like, not, like, you know, raw meat that you're chopping up, you could realistically use, like, yeah. a, a vegetable yeah, knife I, I on different vegetables. Uncooked meat. Yeah. Pro strat with that, though. Pro strat with that. Do the raw meat last. Easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, that, and I definitely should have done that. I, I, I tried to. I thought I did most of what I needed before the raw meat, but then I did the raw meat, and I was just like, oh wait, there's more things to chop. Um, do you, yeah, do your meat and plus first, like your vegetables first, um, or like everything else, and then do your raw meat last. Uh, sometimes, if I'm feeling like if I'm cooking for someone else, for example, mm -hmm. uh, I'll even wash the knife between vegetables, like not like between each individual individual vegetable, but like. I'll do the vegetables first, then I'll uh, wash the knife. Yeah. Move on to like the meat, and then definitely right. like wash after each meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, and um, then usually. <laughs> Sorry, you go on. I was gonna say usually you can even like handle everything like with one knife. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're good about it, you can you can just do a quick wash on the vegetables and then do the meats last. Yeah, and it makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. So you know, lessons learned. I also. Uh, I needed a uh, minced, I think they're called shallot, or pronounced shallots, oh, yeah, the, shallots the little yeah. things. Um, and I got it, and then I peeled it, and I was just like, hmm, this looks like a, a lot like an onion. I wonder if it's going to make me cry when I cut it. And lo and behold, it did. Um, my yeah. side note, my knives are very dull, because they say don't wash in the dishwasher, and then I don't wash them in the dishwasher anyway, because I'm lazy. Um, but... Yeah. Ah. <laughs> yeah. When, uh, what's it called? I don't cook as often as I used to because I'm, uh, back on my, like, uh, 
aunt's house. Yeah. So she does a lot of the cooking, uh, mm-hmm. which I'm very grateful for. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. I, love, I but when I did cook on my own, um, I remember I'd sharpen my knife like at least once a month. Mm-hmm. Like I'd go through like, mm-hmm. I I I literally spend like a Sunday just like going through like all of my knives and just sharpening each knife on my whetstone and then Good like putting Lord. on a whetstone. Um, wow. Cla- yeah, a real man of if culture. You're about cooking, keeping your knives like really nicely taken care of and sharp is like the most important thing aside from like seasoning your food and hygiene oh, nah, generally. Nah, fuck it, bro. You just gotta pull out your beater Leatherman. <laughs> start. You're just going magic. at it. Oh Don't god. And stop. That's all man needs. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Jesus. You grit your teeth uh, through the tears from the fumes of the shallot and the onions. You just take it and run with it, all right? You deal with it like a man. Um, uh, what's it called? I mean, well, the thing with a dull knife is that, like, you're more prone to making mistakes with it because yeah. it won't go through, like, um... You the, get frustrated because it doesn't go through. Yeah. yeah, so it's like you could, you, you could like, injure yourself with a dull knife. Very right. Yeah, like, yeah, very, very um, badly. So it's always good to keep your knife sharp and like everything prepared beforehand. Yeah. Uh, honestly, once a month is actually kind of like it's kind of obsessive. It was too much. Like, you don't need to sharpen your knife once a month. Maybe yeah. like once a fiscal quarter. Uh... <laughs> Back to the yeah, fiscal you know, quarterly really system. Band of time that everyone uses fiscal quarters in their normal no, lives. It's not that complicated. It's just three months. You know, actually, I prefer. A quarter day. <laughs> my personal oh, preference is to turn tax day into sh- knife sharpening day. <laughs> yeah. Just talk out two birds with one stone, all right? I change my red dot optics batteries every fiscal quarter. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like it's it's once a fiscal quarter, once a season. If you want to be like, if you want to be all TV about it. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Um, Right. Yeah, it's it's funny, oh, like nice. ironic that uh, fucking <laughs> knives when they're dull, they're too dull to properly cut through your food, but still very sharp enough to cut through your finger. Yeah. Oh yeah. Human yeah. skin. Well, your fingers have the consistency of carrots, so you could actually bite your fingers off. Do they really? Yes, yes I heard that before. I don't. I should. All right, I'm actually gonna fact check that right now because oh, I. We got, some, we got some vor going on right here. <laughs> in the, uh... No, no, it's no. not vor unless you absorb them whole. You gotta, you gotta take them in one gulp. That's the whole thing. Are you, you vor keeping us? No. I... Yeah, honestly, Mick. <laughs> I. I'm... I'm not just gonna ask. I'm just not gonna ask how you know this. I just, I should have known. I should have known. <sighs> Biting through a you. finger requires so much force that attempts often lead to partial amputation, a bite that doesn't completely sever the finger. There are cases of fingers being bitten entirely off, but such an act requires extraordinary force far greater than 200 newtons of carrot cutting power. So that <laughs> debunked. Looks like, uh, unfortunately. How many newtons of carrot cutting power does do things? Take? I, That's what I'll, I want to know. Now. I'll just say I never bothered to fact check it. Yeah, I no, like, I, I, I never. This is literally I just because I, I want to. Yeah, okay. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna immediately go. Yeah, let me fact check and just bite <laughs> off my fucking finger. Well, that, well, that was the caveat, right? It was <laughs> that you could bite. You could. Through fear, like the force of your bite force of your mouth could bite off your finger, but your brain obviously tells you, hey, don't do this, and stops you before you go through with it. You're obviously not able to bite off your own finger, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty easy to bite off somebody else's finger. Yeah, but you are going to do that either because 
society says well, don't do I mean, that. Like, depends on the situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it depends on the situation for sure. <laughs> you know, like what if I'm in a finger biting championship? Okay. What well, if uh, you're getting fingered while you're biting? Okay. Uh, so apparently, a human adult's maximum biting force ranges from. 520 to 1,178 newtons, depending on factors such as age and gender. Yeah, related. This is also why you don't pull hand grenade pins with your teeth, is you're going to have a bad time. Ah, yeah. <laughs> it requires less than 200 newtons to bite through a raw carrot. This is well within the normal limits of the average person. Biting through mm-hmm. a finger requires so much force that attempts lead to our partial amputation. So, yeah. So, I guess it is more than 200 newtons worth of force that is required to bite through a finger completely. What has completely. the strongest per newton like a force bite in like the world probably an alligator or a crocodile i would assume uh let me see up there i think hippos are up there oh Oh, yeah uh great white shark has the greatest uh bite force with the 4000 psi on their on their bites they are great for nothing choppers yeah second place is the saltwater crocodile at 3700 uh, followed by the American alligator and then the jaguar in fourth place. And then hippopotamus jaguar. is actually fifth place. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. I would have thought hippo would have been jaguar, but that's pretty fucking wild. Um, they, got, they got chompers. <laughs> they got big old chonkers. Um, but yeah, that was my first foray into cooking. And the other nice part is that because it was for... Uh, was it four loin chops of worth of cooking? I have meals for following days. I just have to throw it in the oven for a couple yeah, minutes there and you go. reheat it. The leftovers. So, yeah, the leftovers. Oh, I was going through. Oh, That's awesome. Yeah, uh, and I—I I mean, I, I just my mom left it here because she wanted me to use it, and now this is everything here is mine now. So I, I f- don't feel any fear yeah. of breaking like my parents' tools or like somebody else's equipment. It's all just my own shit and if i break it then you know that's, that's just on fault. me right and i don't i'm not uh hindering anybody else by by breaking those tools so might as well get my mo- get the money's worth out of it and, and use it well, and so. now you can look at it this way you can go out of your way to fuck with the tools yeah exactly yeah, yeah i'm be like man i just want to spend actively fuck with them <laughs> spend like half an hour cooking some shit and then i'll just do that and turn on a that's podcast I, or something and that's what i did with my keyboard actively fucked with it you should do um you should start doing cooking episodes dude i've been thinking about that honestly that is a good segue though uh i wanted to ask you how you got started because you've been streaming book readings for a little while now how did that get started Mm -hmm. Uh, because i i I think that's very entertaining i've enjoyed them a lot so for me it was um it was mostly a product of like quarantine boredom Mm mm-hmm um, and my roommate and I, because we live in New York and are broke ass college students, we live essentially in a living room. Yeah. Um, that sweet studio so apartment share... life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because we share such a like tightly closed, enclosed space, we're mm-hmm. so directly involved with each other's like, um, hobbies and shit. Yeah. That I was, I would always talk about like, oh, like I just want something to stream. Like, I, I can't think of anything to do like total brain fart situation yeah and colin kept talking about how he had this book uh the first one we read was castle of blood okay um he's like oh i've always been meaning to read this and then just like we got partially drunk one night we were like why don't we just read this for the stream and we did and we Mm -hmm. just i just told a bunch of my friends i was like hey we're just gonna read a book like 
we're gonna you know turn it into like a, a thing yeah and everybody's like sure all right and once we finished the first book um was kind of right around when i realized like this is actually really fun yeah um because it's just a book club at this point like mm-hmm. it's it's what it is it's it's just like a bunch of people get on 10:30s on saturday and we read two to three chapters of a book and we talk about it and then i make some ridiculously weird tangent and that's pretty <laughs> much every saturday at this point yeah um and it just kind of took off i think because for me i like the idea of having a consistent schedule of something to do where oh, like for I sure friday around five or six i play a dnb game and then now it's like every saturday 10 30 i read the book book so reading time yeah it's more things that like i'm establishing in my own routine mm-hmm. that are streamable or that that are able to be turned into content if that's the direction i want to take it oh yeah for sure so i think that's the reason it kind of worked out was it just was something that i was doing that yeah. i was just like okay well why not stream it Right. Yeah. If you're having fun with it, it's it's the the whole thing of like if you're having fun with it, then maybe other people will have fun with it too, and then just go from there. Yeah. Which is what I think I might start doing with. uh, I have to clear it with my uh, my crew. Um, But I'm probably going to see if I can start streaming our Friday D and D game. Um, I want to do like a party game stream day where like we all can like get together and like play a party game for an hour or two, and just like not only for us to like have fun, but also like it's content because content. people love party games oh hell yeah get that get that shit streaming yeah, i think it's just ultimately looking at what you do in your day and then think can i put this on a platform where people will watch it yeah there's and a desire for it this way to like stay consistent with something right yeah. i mean there doesn't even have to be a desire for it like a lot of times it's just the raw effort of putting something out there so much mm-hmm. that eventually someone will find it and like it and then it'll get spread it's just like it's it's weird because I do agree with you before when we we're having the conversation of like there is there is a clear like economic supply and demand of right. streaming and content of what people will watch. But then also you look at something like the YouTube algorithm where you come across shit like you clearly weren't looking for, but you watch it anyway <laughs> uh-huh. because it's available. Yeah. There it's was yeah. yeah. I I definitely yeah, there's yeah, there's a lot of quirks weird. with the YouTube algorithm that can be talked about for the algorithm. Ages. I, yeah. ugh, I, I I just love like I, I think for the most part it does its job YouTube algorithm though is when you're chilling oh. <laughs> it's so good when you're just chilling and you're like I guess now I'm gonna watch how toilets get installed yeah but then you get but then you get recommended toilet videos for the next week toilet, I guess <laughs> like I I knew yeah, why those are the risks I'm willing to take yeah I need to be better about choosing which videos from friends I choose to watch because somebody somebody sent in another discord a video about a dude whose entire channel is about uh, reviewing sex toys but the video specifically was about him going wow. to Thailand and, and fucking transsexual women and I was just like I don't know why I clicked on it. It was just like, why did he link this in the first place? Is this a meme? And then as soon as I clicked on it and then I got into like the first minute i'm the only thing i could think at the back of my head is just like this dude's videos and like this content is just gonna be in my feed for the next week or so and i'm gonna hate it but i went down the rabbit hole nonetheless and i don't know it was interesting i guess you could go through uh youtube um and when you like mouse over a video there are like three dots next to the title you can tell that you're not interested in something 
That's true. Yeah, I should probably do, I do that, that more often. Because uh, sometimes I'll go through moments where, like, um, I'm just watching something with a friend or something, mm-hmm. or I'm watching something on my own, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and I'll watch like some anime shit, right? Like I'll throw on some like anime, uh, like YouTube video or whatever to like see like, oh, how are they animating this? Or mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm just interested in this show, or whatever. But then like it'll list off like a ton of different anime. The next time I like log on to YouTube, yeah. I'm just sitting there going like, I don't want to watch anime. <laughs> I am not in the anime mood, sir. I'm not a weeb. It would be funny though if you did like watch anime at specific times during the week and the algorithm figured out when you wanted to see anime and when you didn't and it would only recommend you anime during those periods where oh you God. consistently so watch anime. That's the next level shit and it's real I would, scary. Yeah. I would be I'd, see that's something that I'm like kind of uh that I that I have a very strong opinion about. Mm-hmm. Um actually it's not that strong, but uh, I have a sort of contrarian opinion to a lot of people with about this mm-hmm. i'm totally okay with my data being out there fucking like if youtube's just gonna recommend like different like videos that i think um, that i thinks that i want yeah. then, i'm like oh yeah for sure i'm cool with my data being out there like yeah. if i'm gonna get ads that are specifically about like things that i like hell yeah yeah i think like nobody the theory of using some people's like viewing data in order to recommend them things that they were more likely to enjoy i think nobody has issues with the theory about that but uh i think a reason that you know how i think twitter and facebook have been doing a similar thing for a while where instead of showing posts in chronological order you're gonna see posts that they think uh, that you will like. Posts, yeah. yeah, like things that are posted by your friends, but they think is more important based on what you've liked and oh, interacted with more consistently. Posts from like five days ago. Like, yeah, show and me, show me. Yeah, exactly. So, and then, but because people sometimes are just like, I just want to see what was posted most recently so I can get like a sort of time based idea of what's been happening in people's yeah. lives considering those services are specifically about chrono well facebook more than twitter but like chronicling you know people's dailies going goings ons yeah that was definitely not the way to say it <laughs> but here we are um but you know what i mean like they and yeah. so stuff like that is like not an ideal implementation of it and then to build on that the other i think my problems with that kind of stuff is just when you sign those user agreements you're like yeah this is fine but then you're not when you're not reading the fine print you're like they can send it to third parties and then the third parties is where things get sketchy and it's just like you don't know what they're doing with it it probably won't be anything harmful if you don't put anything harmful out there but then it's just you have to be a lot more attentive i guess and watch your i think at the bottom line is just like you at all times i would prefer any of these sites to have an opt-out feature for that kind of thing so that people can be like you know if like if if you're like yeah i'm fine with you using my data to recommend me new stuff and do whatever with it then you can just stay opted in and that's fine but if somebody's just like i am very uptight about my privacy so no and then they can opt out but that's just not a mandated thing so it's whatever and you know at the end of the day i think most the general public tm i think more aligns with your opinion because there hasn't been enough of a ruckus raised to actually implement any kind of policy against that kind of thing so i don't know it is interesting because like i see it i mean and this is 
my my original or my OG answer um, mm -hmm. that I usually go to um, is a lot less nuanced than this, obviously. Yeah. But, like my OG answer is obviously like I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the classic, my more nuanced answer is a lot more of like, I mean, obviously, I would like my bank account, for example, to not be out there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Your yeah, SSN, your yeah, yeah. date so, of like, birth, hometown, but, all that stuff. But the thing is, it's like, um, that's a matter of, uh, like. Your digital footprint, I mean, and being, like, um, uh, early 20-something person, right? Mm -hmm. Um, my digital footprint has been on the internet for, like, my entire life, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Like, everything that I've done on the internet before I was more conscious about my, like, um, <laughs> about my, like, browsing habits, uh -huh. um, is out there already. So, I'm already out there. And it's possible to, like, minimize your digital footprint, mm -hmm. um, but... In my opinion, I don't think it's really impossible. Like, it's in this age, it's I don't know if it's really impossible to, um, or possible to keep your footprint like at his net zero. Yeah, you know. Yeah. There was an interesting um, video series. I'm trying to remember what outlet did. I think it was Gizmondo. Mm -hmm. um, Gizmodo. Where the, with this tech reporter, she essentially did this experiment where she's like, "Okay, I got these big tech companies, and I want to try. I want to see if I can like." She did them each in order, like Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, and I'm trying to remember the uh, Google. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, can I eliminate like using? And so she had someone like write, you know, some custom scripts and stuff to like block those, you know, call mm -hmm. functioning calls and routing and stuff. And then she she essentially discovered that like with a lot of those companies, if you like don't, if you say I don't want to fucking talk to any amazon related server or anything like bro you can't use a good portion of the internet because <laughs> of like the amount of places that are hosted in aws oh shit like yeah that. so like the at a certain point if and then she did this thing where she cut all of them up and it's just like uh <laughs> like if you try not to use microsoft or apple products you have cut out a giant majority of like the consumer pcs mm -hmm. out there because most consumer PCs that you buy <laughs> off the shelf run Windows yep. or Mac OS. Yep. So it's like there are some, I think there is they mentioned there's some company who was like building a laptop pre-installed with Linux and stuff on it that you could use yep. but it's like you know no, that, that yeah, there is, Linux and like GNU systems are just so far out of the general public's eye or ear that none of no, it's never gonna catch on. Like all of the programming nuts really want. What do you mean to. it's coming? The year of the Linux desktop is coming, Mark. No, it's not. It's not it's coming. Not friendly. No, nope. right after the year of the Linux sniper rifle. Yeah, like, and <laughs> you know, I and I <laughs> yeah, and I agree with that consensus here. Is that like again? It's not pretty. It's not user-friendly there's it's, yeah it's not going to be out of the yeah. box usability that most people are looking for be, like the average 30 yeah. 40 something is going to be like i yeah, want to unbox anyone something like the, the i, the, I yeah, have yeah. this conversation with a lot of people who are big linux heads and, lo and, and love that stuff and i don't have anything against linux obviously yeah. i don't give a shit about what operating system you use really um but uh they come in and it's like, well, if people just switch, it's like, listen, you you have a mindset because you are a person who is into computing, you love to tinker. Yeah. But for the person who says, I use a computer to get on the internet mm -hmm. and word process very occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Linux, just... the whole setup and configuring that, like all the issues fucking people have with sound drivers on Linux and like all the things that just sort of, you know, generally work or you can troubleshoot pretty easily. 
like there are a lot of stuff or like if you want to play any game like you know gaming on linux can be a fucking weird proposition sometimes in right. terms of like fucking with graphics card drivers and oh god all this shit. yeah and so like that is great for someone who like loves to customize each aspect of it and get under the hood and like run all the but for the person who's like bro i just want to load up a browser and <laughs> type in youtube.com and go there <laughs> and yep. watch videos and i don't want it to be this thing and i just want my files to be saved in the cloud and like like, like all you know like people who view computers hey, are simply means to a different when? end rather joe than rogan like on your oh this cool when? thing that i'm interested joe rogan in on specifically your in messing when? around with joe rogan on your podcast when that is when? i think the difference joe rogan on your podcast when 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 god i wish i could sorry yeah you make a good point sorry ken has just resubbed and then he put in a message just saying joe rogan rogan on your podcast when 50 times so we're gonna get him here man yeah someday (laughs) no god bless um yeah no i definitely agree and to use the famous words of one todd howard when it comes to piece uh windows and apple computing it just works you know it just works it just comes out of the box you can just say oh here's my desktop oh there's the safari browser type in youtube.com look up cat video there it is obviously Ha-ha, there's funny. shit that breaks with those things like your fucking weird issue with call of duty modern warfare where we had to go into the windows yeah, power was... settings Ugh. to get the game to, to use my use, graphics processor GPU instead Jesus of being completely Christ. cpu bound oh, it was so dumb the amount of times i've actually had to do that with a lot of games is really interesting really uh, with, i think yeah. just with the i think just because of my like because i'm running a laptop uh-huh like because I have to actually go in and physically tell my computer to not use the integrated graphics mm-hmm. is yeah, mind blowing. I had an I had an Alienware laptop years ago that had you know you could switch between the integrated and the full GPU and that led to problems of like getting the computer in the right mode mm-hmm. and yeah yeah there's just there there yeah there's definitely your ha- hassles but they generally microsoft and apple apple build them yes. to at least the runway to like buying this new computer and setting it up and getting to where you need to go is much shorter than i think in general with yeah Linux. we we've we as gamers with the hard r just are in cases where we're t- really trying to maximize our computer's utility and then end up in some edge cases that can don't, fuck things up don't label me i don't <laughs> I I'm see. Look, them Beekman, you t- you try to you try to step away from it, but you were you were in you. Not only have you been playing Call of Duty forever, you've also been playing fucking sitting in with us watching visual novels. Like you're you're deep in it. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Blowing up my spot here. Look, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking tearing off. Right, I'm, tear- I'm tearing you up, bro. I'm calling you out. Typical gamer who with a hard R would probably think visual novels are bullshit because they're like, oh, there's no gameplay. It's all story. What the fuck is this yeah I can't kill anything i guess that's true you yeah. know tyler i think you would and pat i guess all of you guys i i think a game that's definitely worth looking into is sad. um yeah well yeah but there's there's this game called monster prom which is like a mini visual novel but it's multiplayer and you're all trying to get a date to to monster prom uh and then you you can take actions during the day to like get certain points in certain like you have like sort of 
super basic RPG stats for like different like Amazing. commodities, social stats or whatever, uh, and you can up them by going to different places, and then you interact with the other characters and up your relationship with them. It's really cute and really fun, and so also it's a, so it's a I, yeah. Um, and it's also a really great thing to just have people sit in on because it's multiplayer and then you can voice act all of the uh, like romance interest characters and that makes for great content. I need to do it again I think, sometime. Um, I think one of our friends uh, was super into Monster Prom. Mm. Uh, I'm pretty sure they were like really, because I remember them talking about it at one point. Um, so I've heard, it be- I've heard of it before. Yeah. Uh, Super good game and, like, super interesting concept because, like, it takes... I think they they advertise themselves as, like, the first multiplayer dating sim, uh, which is... <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know of any others, so I guess they, they really do have that. And they're... Uh, I think they're on the verge of putting out a sequel n- in the near future um, or actually, like, a multitude of, like, side-shoot projects that look really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. But it's a very good time and... Uh, yeah, I think if if you're in the if you're already in the vein of of just reading things aloud and you want to get some people in on it, Monster Prom is definitely like a good avenue to go down. Uh, Take a look at it. Pat looking cute playing Hunt, so I can't really watch the podcast, but I'm <laughs> your viewbot at least. Thank you, Kenneth. You and one other. There's one other thank watching you, right Kenneth. now, so thank you for the viewership. Um, but yeah, oh, I. I we got super off track from from YouTube algorithms, but I did want to uh, attach something to that because um, it was I, I just listed it before the podcast starts. But another thing that I've been get getting recommended a lot now uh, is the mashup songs that um, Pat you linked that playlist to me that you made uh, yeah, called, yeah. that you called it postmodern didism, so and uh, yeah. I've been definitely super into it more recently like i've always been into mashup music if it's if it's done well but like just specifically recently after listening to that playlist um it's a good time and i definitely think it's a conversation worth having about how mashup culture has been able to explode in the digital age is the mashup of slipknot psychosocial and justin bieber's baby on there (laughs) because that is a top tier that Imagine sounds not it will be please yeah that it. sounds like the crackhead energy that you're looking for pat because that's how you described I, your... oh my god I, this is incredible hang on yeah that's that's um definitely like one of my uh uh i should say like passions and like muses is um mashup culture um mm-hmm. and now that i know it's an actual culture thank you nick yeah uh, it's like um i i labeled uh my mashup playlist as postmodern dadism because um what's it called i felt that as an art form, mm-hmm. um, mashup culture itself is like very and much the pushing. Thank you, awesome. Yeah. Um, I felt that like mashup culture itself is like very much like pushing uh, essentially postmodernist ideas about like um, sort of how do I put it? Copy, like, copy, taking... like related to copyright stuff and like taking stuff that is owned by one person and then making it your own, or sort of. Um, so like a lot of postmodernism is defined by like. Uh, a lot of like skepticism and like irony based stuff um mm. and just taking like current aesthetics of like modernist ideas and yep. just sort of twisting them as like uh as like essentially a meme like a lot of postmodernism is just memeing um <laughs> which which it, like i can go on for fucking hours about that but like <laughs> um i like the uh daddest ideas of um like just avant-garde pushing stuff right uh and nonsense and irrationality and just stupid shit so putting them both together into like 
the idea of mashups, it's like perfect. It's like if you look at um, mashups, it's literally just taking what society has already given us yeah. and just shitting all over it. And just being <laughs> like, look, it's still great, isn't it? It's yeah. still good. And it, it is, is. So yeah, they it is. I'm trying to make sure I'm I'm remembering what dadism is in in the art world. Is that was one of the fundamental like art pieces that define didism was the guy who was ripping up news articles and then putting the words in random orders was that dadism uh, or am i thinking of I something think, else um, i think so um i'm trying to i know it's uh so it has its root in like 20th century french art mm-hmm. um during like uh what's it called it was after the First World War, right? And people were like, yeah, right wow, after this, the, right this shit is, like, so fucking absurd. Like, we have murdered so many human beings for mm-hmm. nothing. No land was gained or lost. Like, nothing really changed. Mm-hmm. Germany was left in the shitter, but that it's, was pretty much it. And then, you know, we saw how that yeah. went out, so. It's, 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 um, so a lot of it, like, comes off of, uh, World War One's like, the whole crisis of, like, how, uh, essentially capitalism bred the war more or less and mm-hmm. like fueled it more with like fire and industrialism yeah um and dadism was an answer uh, its answer was like Thor's question was posed mostly around like the nonsense and like brutality of it and the irrationality around like world war one mm-hmm. and just how crazy like and insane all of it was and um a lot of the artists made pieces that were based around like uh based around that nonsense and irrationality um and was and a lot of them took very like anti-capitalistic ideas to yeah. uh, put it into the arts um sort of like uh modern day memes that are all about like fucking uh, that are memeing all over like america for example yeah like, yeah <laughs> like yeah. i would consider it's in vogue like, to, not... to meme on america right now understandably yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so back then they would be memeing on like um Right, yeah, because at that point they still had the fucking uh, the Raj system in in India, right? They 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 hadn't left India yet because that was before Gandhi came around. So yeah, yeah, yeah. British Empire was still kicking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around then, Um, yeah. So it was like, um, my art history is absolute garbage. So (laughs) I'm honestly taking a lot of this from like. Wikipedia. Oh yeah, for sure. But, yeah, um, history, let's be that's honest. where that's where we get most of our shit from on the show, so that's fine. Yeah, no, I um, I but I remember a lot of like the pieces were very like, uh, they really stuck with me with just how um, just they they pushed a lot of ideas that were against the modern of the time sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I love about like mashup culture and. I mean, I can go on about it as memes too. Right. Where um, memes and mashup culture are essentially like they're linked to the each most... other at a certain point. Yeah. yeah, they're linked to each other at a certain point, um, but they are like the forefront of art. No mm. fucking jokes. Like memes are the forefront of like human culture and art. Like they're an entirely <laughs> their own art form, and it's like beautiful if you actually dissect it from an academic standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like they're challenging so much of like our modern sensibilities and like modern ideas of what is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I like mashup culture because it helps. It can be used to like draw people in because you know what music is and you know how like good things sound. But then when you hear it being mashed up and like going against the 
original artistic intent, mm -hmm. um, you start opening up, like, it starts opening up your horizons to, like, different ideas musically. Like, maybe you're not super into, like, you know, freeform jazz, right? Yeah. But if you were into, like, let's say, uh, Panic at the Disco and <laughs> um, fucking, I don't know, some other fucking artists, right? Yeah. And you mash them up together, you could mm -hmm. start um, taking, uh, incorporating aspects from both of their songs and, like, adding in some freeform jazz on top of that and maybe it all links up together for your ears to like take right. it more pleasingly you know i mean i think that's why postmodern jukebox took off so well oh and yeah i think looking at stuff like that because when you're looking at the idea of like the dada in art you're looking at it you're looking at it from a sense of how do i make anti-art mm -hmm. and i i totally agree because the the collaborative idea of mashing up things and destroying the original intention is exactly what you want yeah, mm -hmm. because I mean, like, like you said, Nick. Like, look at the idea of like one of the main artistic things that you could see coming from Dadaism was cutting up newspapers and creating your own poem from yeah. creating art from something else. But also, it's not art because you are actively destroying. It's it's so complex because I mean, it makes sense because it births into surrealism. Um, but it's it's so interesting to see Dadaism in the modern sense, especially now, because I think we're relying on Dadaism to get through a lot of our heavy shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I'm sure a lot of it is also, you know, tailored now, because we've been affected, we live in a post-surrealist and post-Dadaist age because it's already come before us. Yeah. So it's interesting to see how we are now interpreting what we see as Dadaism. Because of course, when it first came up, it was brand new. It was it was being forged as a concept, and now we're taking it as a concept, and we're putting our own interpretations on it. Which yeah, and looking I looking at memes and looking at mashup culture and looking at all that stuff like it's it's really complex. Yeah, it's evolved. Uh... And one thing that I absolutely love with that, with all of that, is that um, what's it called? Because of like the connectivity of the internet, you can really see how beautiful the idea of the internet is based on memes because of how quickly we evolve memes yeah like oh yeah i've i've had talks about this with um mm -hmm. a bunch of my like friends from scad uh in a very serious context yeah. of like the, how many levels of this meme can we go like how many more levels of this are there to evolve before like the meme is done and usually it's like, lost Oh yeah. God, lost! You can find yeah. it anywhere. Oh my yeah. God, that I remember. And, there was that subreddit oh. that had like the image of like just a beautiful, you know, um, like a side of a building, and then like a beautiful sea line right next to it, and it constructed Lost like on a on a very basic level, and it was just like, wow, this is what the fuck? How? <laughs> like it was it's, insane. It's, yeah. And now there are like lines of meme that have just essentially created their own characters who get recombined into new memes. Like I saw a meme that had the uh, Paul Senior from American Chopper, you know, yelling the Desperate Housewives lady, the cat, and, and it's just like <laughs> yes, so, yes, that's yeah, another form of mashing up, yeah, yeah, yeah. a complete mashup of it, yeah. yeah so it's yeah. like, um, what's it called? And um, they happen so quickly. Like, yeah. you get from like point A to point like. Z by the like, fifth power. Like, yeah. so a perfect example like, of this is the the Chad Doge memes. Yes, like, Doge, Doge, the, the revival of Doge. Cambridge and like, uh, I'm sorry, Chad Doge for me is the meme <laughs> format of 2020. I think really, <laughs> is at a high bar. Meme we'll of the year. What can, what can see, can bring it up, but really, it's been 
it's been quite excellent. I actually, I don't know what my meme of 2020 would be. Uh, I don't know what my meme of 2020 is. Yeah, well, I, I don't... I mean, most really... of 2020 has just been consumed by coronavirus, so, like, a lot of memes have just been based around Yeah, time that. is, yeah, I don't know. When did 2020 <laughs> start? Like, 18 years ago? I don't fucking yeah, know. Yeah, it's a fucking mystery. Um, before we get yeah. to... Oh, sorry, what? 2020 no you go on okay i have a topic i definitely want to talk about but yeah i, I want you I want you're, you're in charge here yeah i just wanted before we get away from the whole mashup culture stuff i just think it was really interesting because we're talking about how like it's an evolution of of didism in in the modern era or whatever um mm -hmm. i think it's super interesting to learn about how just the technology has allowed mashup culture to become so much more accessible over the years. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, like, how, you know, we started off with, like, disc jockeying, according to Wikipedia, obviously, just not not the end-all, be-all sources, but it's what I can grab quickly. So, apparently, disc jockeying was, like, started up as a thing in, like, the 1940s, or, like, the first person sense. to do was in the 40s. And then, <clears throat> as time went on, people got more creative with it, and they started putting in two disc, you know, uh, like disc table turntables on the board, and then they started to learn how to yeah. do beat matching, so you could have two songs that were at the same BPM, uh, have them playing, and you could swap from one to the other at this, mm -hmm. you know, very quickly, and so that really was, like, the genesis of being able to do this kind of mashup stuff, but because you really only could work with whatever uh, analog discs were on hand, a lot of times yeah. that was just, like, just what was available to the available, public yeah. yeah and not everything was recorded right yeah exactly and so but now we've moved <laughs> into the modern era uh where you have everything's everything's digitally available you know limewire back yeah, in the there day so many, there are so many free apps for music like mm -hmm. making and music mashing and shit that you can yeah, use. tools yeah to use and yeah. if you think about like you know disc jockeys why that originated there because if you think about other mediums like if you wanted to say do film mashups and just like you would, A, have to know how to project film, <laughs> which is a very technical situation. Yep. You have to know how to specifically, like, cut yep. physical strips of film yep. and, like, reconnect it. So it was, like, this very technical process mm -hmm. that you would... It was seriously a trade that you would have to know in order if you wanted to do that. Whereas right. now, if you want to fucking, you know, just, you know, download some MP4s, files, fours, yeah, there's, just go for it. Float up a... Uh, you know, your free or stolen Adobe program <laughs> of choice, uh, or whatever, whatever editing software you want, and you just, you know, go. You know, yeah. there's less, so much less, uh, so many less obstacles in your way. To yeah. Do it. And specifically with music, like, um, with modern era, they now there are it's much easier to access the musical stems of any given track so like you could find yeah. you could easily find like acapella versions of any song or just the instrumentals yeah. or even like guitar your, tabs stuff like yeah, that guitar yeah guitar tabs yeah and so you can just take those specific pieces and then use layer them on top of each other in the exact way that you wanted to whereas originally you just had everything from one track and then everything from another track and that's just you had to deal with it so it's yeah. i think it's really amazing that that stuff is so readily available and that people are putting it to good use you know with with all the crazy <laughs> stuff um i mean they've been putting the out progression of like art and culture um is like in my opinion based around this accessibility of it so like the more accessible you make art and like um is the more like progress you'll find and that's i, I mean i i feel like that's kind of obvious but mm -hmm. it's also like um when you really think about it, it's again why uh, 
why I would consider like memes and such be like the the fastest I mean, evolving I mean, thing because yeah, I think, so I think many people. Are anyone create a meme? There's no no one's gonna say, "Well, you're not trained in meme making." <laughs> no, yeah, you're not a professional <laughs> memeist. I've got a college Sir. degree in meme. What college did you go to? Did you go to the Harvard School of Memes? I did. Honestly, honestly though, okay. So straight up, if I were to like teach at a college or something, I for sure would teach about memes. <laughs> Hands oh, down. Dude. I know I know what my curriculum would be. It'd be um modern art mm-hmm. and culture yeah. and something humanities based and I'd talk about I'm memes. absolutely we... certain somewhere there are professors putting it's... the other curriculums right that right now. I'm sure well, here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing. I got um in college I got my um one of my professors into memes. Uh like the entire class in us got my professor into memes and she's like she is she's she's won multiple Sundance awards and such. Holy she's, fuck. Uh, wow. she, yeah, she she was actually uh, doing a talk with us mm-hmm. and then had to like pause the talk because she had to take a call from Sundance. Um, I got her into memes and she wants to do a, a thesis on memes. Oh my god, um, yes. That's pretty cool. Yes. Because, she, because um, we got her into, because I, I know like, I like talking with her about uh, the linguistics of it because memes are a language themselves mm-hmm. and the way they evolve is much like a language. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like the linguistic implications of memes and like the uh anthropology behind it yeah because it's also about like who's using them right because like there's a whole sect of like all there's the whole drama behind pepe's and how 4chan and like white supremacists tried to take them over and stuff and and there's different there's different cultures and different languages with different memes like Mm -hmm. we won't be able to fully understand uh hong kong memes for example yeah yeah Um, because like their Pikachu meme is different than our Pikachu meme. Um, <laughs> yeah. or, 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 or their, uh, I think their Pepe's are different than our Pepe's. Our Pepe's, for example, during the same time, I think, around when uh, uh, Pepe's were assigned with anti-Semitism mm-hmm. uh, in our region, mm-hmm. I believe their Pepe's were based around anti-state uh, uh, stuff during their protests. That's fucking crazy, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like- so there's like, there's region lock memes. <laughs> region yeah. lock. You gotta you gotta use Express VPN to get access like, to all the different regions of memes. <laughs> Not sponsoring I, the show, but thought I just it was a good joke. A meme in the in the Discord chat, and like the amount of levels of this meme to like elements is not only incorporated. Oh. This is this is a historical based meme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to know oh. like who Marshall Zukov is, but also like the format. You have to have seen the specific type of internet side ad. spam banner ad yeah. that it's parodying yeah. to like be like oh yeah <laughs> yeah like it's, all these elements yeah no that's it's memes are a language into themselves uh and an art form and it's there's just so much culture behind them uh mm-hmm. that honestly you could teach you could teach a class on it and you wouldn't be able to like cover all of it because it's You're still trying to do classes on it yeah i mean oh, i'm I, sure i'm sure there's some you know yeah. digital arts or culture or yeah I, like, I think it's from a, a non meme perspective, like <laughs> the amount of psyche that you could actually learn and like understand from like how memes are used, not just for like communication, but to cope yeah. or to go through whatever you need to go through in that moment. Because yep. you can, I mean, it, it allows also people to express the unexpressible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, express emotions, reactions yeah. to things. Like, people, yeah. 
emojis in emoticons were yeah. sort of the previous version of this and like yeah. i would say in the early 2000s but now people like when someone posts something on twitter people just post reaction memes from like oh here's my office memes or here's my energy yeah. or you know or po like they see something they want to buy and they you know you're posting futurana shut up and take my money like you know yeah, that it's, it's, that it's, it's, it's a form of communication it's a language it's an art it's uh memes are beautiful i love yeah. memes. It's definitely something I you think... You can tell your mom, kids, it's <laughs> shitposting, and it is, in fact, art. <laughs> it is. Shitposting is... Uh, look, I've, I've gone through four years of fucking art school to be able to say <laughs> with confidence that memes are fucking art. Yeah. And that you're an award-winning animator. Yep. And that I'm an award-winning animator. Don't forget the important part. Yeah. So, that's... speaking of memes and art, mm -hmm. I really want to talk about Mixer. Okay, this is gonna okay. be our last thing because we are already over yeah. an hour. But but no. yeah, go, go yeah, off. We can, we can Dante, if you want five star podcasts, oh you need five star run times, which is usually an hour. I would imagine yeah. not yeah. fucking yeah. hours minimum. <laughs> Three hours minimum. Jesus Christ. I yeah no. I just wanted to see some other people's opinions and kind of. The death of Mixer. Just talk about the death of Mixer a little bit. Yeah, we've talked about um, this a couple weeks ago. I think, I think Mixer. It's, it was a cool techno like technologically it was cool like they definitely that, that they had with the backing of microsoft and like that's the thing mixer streams compared to their competitors even twitch you know the the latency was so low and that and part of that is because they had a small they had much smaller load than mm -hmm. twitch did yeah, uh, yeah. on their infrastructure but like you know and just all the other stuff the, the integration they did with with Microsoft's games, like the stuff they did in Forza, where you could stream on Mixer and that and and that would affect stuff in the game. And there's some Twitch stuff that does that as well. But I think Microsoft was because they were they're pushing the envelope behind that yeah. in, a, in, a, in a bigger way. Um, and just... yeah, it's you know, I it, it kind of sucks. I think for a lot of people there who were smaller streamers who weren't the you know the people who were getting paid contracts to come over. Because you know those, you know, Stroud got his Stroud got his contract paid out when Mixer closed down, so he'll be fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure he'll yeah. be he's back. Not, in he's not the one getting hurt, right? Yeah, it's no. small people who no, built a, a like a small community, and they liked the way Mixer felt, and they liked the specific vibe that you know, you know, whatever decisions, the way mm -hmm. the community was set up in Mixer, the way the tools, the way the stream management was set up for for streamers and Mixer, you yeah. know, created they, all all those influences, I, and I, now I, that's gone. And yeah. I think it's, it, it, it kind of shocking because Microsoft is a big company with yeah. a ton of money to afford. Like Mixer doesn't necessarily have to make money for them because they make money on so many other things. Yeah. Um, and if like they're like, "Hey, I'm not interested," it's hard to see a major competitor really coming. For it Twitch is strange. It, yeah, it's a good point you bring up. It's strange that they closed it seemingly so soon. Like I yeah. think. Like, I think what I've seen at a surface level is they just pulled a Google where they created something that had, you know, interesting properties and interesting technology that was making yeah. it possible. Well, but then they just didn't market it well and they didn't really advertise it and they didn't. I've uh, heard from Microsoft employees that I know who, who, who they, they, you know, they didn't work in the Mixer org inside Microsoft, but they, they said there were some weird there are some weird management like the way that oh. org was managed was kind of maybe mm -hmm. a mess and maybe that perhaps plays a role in it. of like mm -hmm. some internal organizational yeah. problems yeah. Mm -hmm. that's the nuance that people that's always lost in people um i mean like, well it's no, never it's, it's never made public so like you can't it's, really yeah. get an yeah. eye into it but unless they publicly release something which that is, is something that like um whenever i think about games and game development 
Um, and, like, specifically bugs in games. Uh, I hear from uh, a lot of friends, like, ah, oh, this game's so buggy, what the fuck, why is it so buggy, it's so shit. And it's like, yeah, well, it's buggy, like, that that aspect is buggy, like, there's this one specific bug, but it's also, like, maybe that one bug is holding back, like, a flood <laughs> of, like, other bugs, you know? Yeah, like, it is, like... Yeah, it's like coding. You when you make a game that is as big as like a AAA game. Like I'm trying to, re- I'm trying to think of like the most recent super buggy release game, and I'm thinking it was Last of Us Two had a couple of bugs and such. Um, okay, I mean, but yeah, but, but like is- making a game as big as that when you're working in code, that's like thousands of thousands upon thousands lines of code all trying to communicate with each other and like when you're programming that you're only looking at maybe like a five by five pixel of a thousand by thousand image yeah. you know it's yeah. like and insane it. and yeah. it's never like and along with that too and that's just one maybe department mm-hmm. uh, if we want to take it at that level like there there are like thousands of employees at a triple a studio or maybe hundreds i don't, I don't know the size yeah. Yeah, but like there's 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 hundreds of employees at a triple a studio um and dozens of departments and uh and you know what sometimes you won't get good managers and sometimes yeah. you yeah. just have some poor management at a yeah your lines of communication is bad so like mm-hmm. the art the art department does one thing and it's like oh shit that's not the this yeah. doesn't work with what the the level design department is yeah. doing. Fuck. If, we need, and yeah. then, so. if we're, if we're going to use the the pixel yeah. analogy further, it's like you've got a 5x5 five five square in a 1,000x1,000 thousand thousand image. Now, you're if you really want your code to work well, you need to know what's going on in the eight other 5x5 five five squares that are around you. If you have good All communication... And like, oh shit, our right. puzzle piece is not formed to fit Yeah, the puzzle. we got to fucking start shaving shit off of it. A lot of times they can't afford to go back and do a complete fix either. So a lot of times that's when you see shit get crazy. Yeah, you guys get yeah. deadlines. Yeah. yeah, and it's like yeah. if you have a bug that is kind of crappy or jarring or whatever, but it's like this bug is so rare. Yeah, we need to ship this game next month. Yeah, yeah. One out of one thousand people who play this <laughs> game will get this bug. Then it's just like, yep, we know yeah, about this it, bug. It, it, it's it known shippable. That is the term. It is the industry term. Yeah. Is known shippable bug, and it's just like. That's always it. Yeah. yeah, it's would you rather ship out the game with a minor bug, or would you rather yeah. risk spending the month trying to fix it, possibly breaking more things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Also that, the, yeah, you know, changing things, breaks the, other things. And then there's the publisher deadline of like, hey, we need to get this game out because we, we have investor call and we want to make sure our numbers are <laughs> up for this quarter. And our so fiscal, the fis- by, by the fiscal quarter. Yeah, you got to. Yeah. fiscal quarter. Look. It comes back around. That's- Everything is done by the fiscal quarter, baby. Yeah. Um, that's that's. I mean, I one one game that I like to point out with very very buggy and very crappy. Yeah. Uh, uh, is a uh, a uh, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. Oh God! <laughs> like, yeah. People people yep. going Famously. like, how did like, how did they fuck this up? How did they fuck this up? Well, let's see. They took the uh, multiplayer team, yep. made them the A team. Yep. Uh, they mismanaged the shit out of it. And along with that, they, they just they believed they in to work on a game engine originally made for first-person vehicle-based multiplayer first-person shooters. Yeah, look, and, and said, look, "Hey, make a role-playing game yeah, that's first-person." And they got and they well look they got the action parts they got the shooting. Yeah, the combat right, in Andromeda is probably right? the best part of that game. The, and, the driving. Yeah. Yeah. I hear yeah. that the driving is like fantastic, and you know why? Because it's 
a vehicle-based <laughs> engine, and also because they got the team from Forza to work on it. Yeah. Uh, so like, they got they got people who were experienced in that bit. Yeah. Um, they just they believed and, in the Bioware magic too hard, and it it did not pay dividends. See, that's the part that's like bewilders me about that production um, uh -huh. is that like. They did believe in the Bioware magic, but they didn't put forward their best foot. They used the team that was behind Mass Effect's multiplayer. Well, because they wanted uh, a, they, the they wanted a Destiny killer, so they put the yeah, A team on Anthem. on fucking Anthem, which is a game yeah, that they had no. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know the personal. And also, like, it. it seemed like some of the devs really wanted to do something that, that wasn't just an RPG, you know, but the company that makes some of your favorite games and people are like, well, well, they made all these good games and then they made these bad, like, people move on, like, the leadership changes, oh, yeah. and that changes the culture of a studio and what they prioritize, and so, like, maybe by the time Mass Effect Andromeda was coming out, it's like, I'm pretty sure both the, the, the founders of Bioware, the two doctors, had, at that point, largely split from I the company. Did, yeah. yeah. And, and so, like, and then a lot of people up down, the people who made the first two, three Mass Effect games, not really in charge, like, so it's like, the culture yeah. that produced the games that players like so much may not be there down the road. So it's, it's like how you lose, it's how you lose track of the overall artistic vision, right? I yeah. can't. Yeah, I can't speak for like um, the programming side, um, but I know for a fact, like animation side, what's it called? Uh, animators have a lifespan in the industry for at least like at least three years or so. Like three years, and then you become you essentially become a senior animator at that point. Mm -hmm. um, we have a really high burnout rate, and mm -hmm. we have a really high shuffling rate. A lot rate, of jobs in the game yeah. industry, honestly, oh, are yeah. high yeah. burnout rates. Yeah, yeah, we, we we get shuffled around a lot. I mean, it's because the games industry isn't unionized, so like. Whoa! Yeah, what? Crazy! <laughs> kind of wild. I could talk to death about that. Oh, but. yeah, we all could. I'm you should sure. get Connor on here, uh, Nick. <laughs> oh, talk about next he, he, has a, <laughs> yeah. he has an interesting yeah. perspective on game unions. But yeah, I, not a bad one, but um, Nick, I want to thank you for having me on. I have to, I have to skip out. Yeah, no, this is a good time to close it. I, I mean, to bring it back around to Mixer real quick, I guess it's the same thing. You know, we're just yeah. talking about a parallel situation, but probably bad management. It's so unfortunate to see a program like that go down. I think it had a lot of potential. I think they just mismanaged their funds. And yeah, and it and, and it was pushing a lot of lives. It had the potential to push, uh, you know, push innovation, whereas Twitch by so itself. Too, yeah can just kind of sit on its laurels until another yeah. behemoth yeah, streaming well, service comes out. The whole conversation so. of, like, are these high-profile streamers looking to make a new streaming platform? Because mm. that's going to be a thing. I don't, think I, don't think there's any, I, I don't think that's a good idea. I think you can go I all the time so today <laughs> because they don't have the technical back. Like, that's the thing. Microsoft is one of the most largest tech companies in the world with some of the best architecture with the Azure s server, uh, uh, um, hosting stuff yeah and like all that and yep. they like they said oh we're gonna punt on this like yeah putting, some some fucking streamers that just play Fortnite. So, like, for you're telling me system too yeah it so like you're telling me a bunch of streamers who <laughs> just play video games for a living they're, they're good you know yeah what, they're they good entertainers platform, but don't necessarily know how to build know, that yeah. on the technical side like Who's gonna fund that? Exactly. I don't listen to those rumors, but I think they're interesting because I would like to see yeah. what could come, what could come of it. But I know it wouldn't be good. It would be yeah. interesting to see from their perspective what ideas and what they would prioritize mm -hmm. in a streaming yes, service. Absolutely. But like, I don't think it would work because I just don't think they would have the the, the the technical infrastructure to pull it off. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining me today. I think this was a lovely stream. We talked about a lot of yes. interesting topics. So good talk. Thanks for coming on. Uh, tune in on. 
Monday, I guess, for MCC Monday. Hopefully we'll get that yeah. lasso done. Um, Tyler <laughs> streams. I, I host him whenever he's streaming his stuff, so I guess you're going to be I'm doing more. Tonight. Yep. We got more Twilight. Uh, was it? No, it's no, is it? The Shining, if you guys want to join. Shining, right, yeah. That's a long book, isn't it? It's, like, it's, uh, it's I think, 50-something chapters. Okay, yeah. Stephen uh, King. We're in chapter 12, though, so we're making a book. <laughs> Stephen King really just took that cocaine and popped he, off. He just loves writing long books. Uh. Uh, and you know what? I'd rather have a long book to get through the summer, and that way I can, like... I have, I have a couple ideas of, like, some shorter books I have planned, too. And, like, possibly also doing oh, days. Please don't crash. Of reading, uh, okay, good. Popular poetry or popular short novels or whatever. Read some fan fiction. Yes! I'm of reading fan fiction, <laughs> Oh, boy. Hell yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, I so... I tried by reading Fifty Shades, but that's too close <laughs> to Twilight. I had to stop. <laughs> yeah, Tyler. Tyler's doing that tonight. Pat streams art sometimes. I'm also hosting Pat, so when he streams, you should know. be able to see him online. You can read my takes I'll... about... <laughs> Army small arms acquisition programs over at twitter.com slash tax. <laughs> Hell yeah. There we go. There's the there's yeah, the link drops that we're looking for. There's the Twitter plug. plug. Yeah. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah. we'll be chilling in the Discord otherwise, so come see us there if, yeah, if nowhere else. Come hang out um, on the Discord. I'm actually, uh, fun fact actually, I'm actually plan planning on uh, setting up a long form project on YouTube. Hell yeah. Nice. Oh. What's the, what's the still, link, brother? Still in the pre-production for that, though. So. Okay. Good, good, good. But yeah, so yeah. just, po I guess, post it on the Discord and then people will hear about it. Um, yeah, drop it. For sure. Yeah. So thanks for watching and uh, stay safe out there. Adios. 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 All right, see you, Chris. <laughs>